Okay. Hello? I'm here with Salome. Um, she's a curator, writer, historian, thinker, human being. So I wanted to start, maybe ask you, like, have you read anything really interesting lately that you were like, holy I read very extreme historical biographies for fun. So most of my hobbies is actually reading academic history because I don't have time otherwise. So um, I think from now on, I kind of took a break because I'm reading my dissertation. But I go to the cinema quite a lot um, just because it's I have severe ADHD and just sitting at library for a while just gets to me. But I, I went to see the Belgian movie called Close. It's in the mm. cinema right now. And it's a queer movie about two young boys who are best friends, childhood best friends. And they grew up in this gorgeous town in Belgium. And no, there's no implications that they're in love, but they're definitely soulmates. And all the schoolboys just try to put pressure and labels on their relationship and they both get incredibly frustrated with their feelings and you know one of the two boys just doesn't handle it really well and this whole movie is about grief and pain and losing a friend and you know finding love through friendship and family and nature and I really connected to it really it was I still think about it really often uh, and I think it's more interesting to think to talk about it than maybe Mary Stewart's biography yeah <laughs> Because I, I try to always get a sense of past historical characters who I could relate to. Um, but the cinema was, is for now my number one medium for mm. getting ideas through maybe my own curatorial practice, actually. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Cinema, I think, is an interesting one because, I mean, you know, I'm from the U.S. and... Um, Obviously, movies are so they're everywhere, and they're so influential, and like the Hollywood thing and whatever. And and now, obviously, Hollywood is becoming more you know woke and whatever. And there's a lot of good progressive stuff coming out. But at the same time, like you know this writer Ocean Vuong, yeah, and how he talks about how I think there's an interesting thing happening also in ter in terms of feminism and like big budget like action movies where you know instead of making an interesting film with like a strong female lead with an interesting story it's just sort of like recasting like let's just say Wonder Woman for example you know or redoing the blo the the Ghostbusters franchise with all women you know and it's kind of like ah, okay but then so like o Ocean Vuong speaks about how it doesn't really provide an alternative for like the kind of heteronormative sort of like tough guy thing it just replaces it with like okay here's a woman also using violence as like a mm. righteous action you know that's very true yeah i mean if you looked at viola davis new movie was it called the woman king she uh, mm. plays uh, this warrior who um basically is one of the warriors of the king uh, somewhere in africa and uh, she she plays this incredible tough woman who almost has all the qualities of a man basically it's almost as if she she inhabits you know masculine features um and it's, it was a brilliant movie but it had no nomination at the oscars no mm. thing which i found was quite surprising but there's other movies that are maybe like smaller production even close the movie i saw in the cinema which to me was an extremely well depiction of female strength um through the two main 
protagonists who were the mothers and so their sons struggling and still try their best to hold their families together and pull up brave faces in society even though they were grieving extremely and this is the type of representation that I like in cinema you know not the ones of the Marvel movies like Captain Marvel and you know even Wonder Woman which is still bothers me yeah, today because sure. yeah. you know even the 1984 the second Wonder Woman movie you know they literally took her dead lover and brought him back to life and made her save the world because he was back and I just thought it was upsetting <laughs> but yeah. all the reviews were great so yeah. I don't know but most of the yeah if you look at all the Oscar movies that were released it's quite clear that you know this kind of almost like a separation between kind of soft femininity and masculine femininity and yeah it's very difficult to find characters that have that balance of what you know both feminine and masculine energies and what that kind of represents that goes to my point in a way as well because it's like these big marvel type movies are the ones that everyone sees like exactly. around the world and whatever and they're so in annoyingly influential i mean i, I don't watch them i hate them <laughs> but i just mean yeah. that like yeah in terms of just you know yeah in terms of like identity and representation in in cinema and medium or any media really it's like yeah these still still you know hyper patriarchal narratives oh, yeah. and just by casting a woman as the like you know main macho whatever it just you know yeah it just doesn't do enough i think in that sense it's kind of kind of interesting yeah yeah because i look at cinema as a way to feed my own kind of like storytelling um not attributes but i tr i see curating at least on, as storytelling for me it's almost as if you know i was writing a book or you know just writing a script i don't really make any difference in yeah. my own curatorial practice so that's why i go so often to a cinema now um it's kind of funny because i have a literature degree and when I think about like what I read, I just I stopped reading fiction a long time ago because hmm. I just I don't know I was always I'm always seeking for real life examples and I was getting a bit frustrated. But then the cinema is mostly fiction to an extent, so you know biopics to me are a bit brainwashing because they're just reinterpreting someone's life and I try to avoid them. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to think. Yeah. Like what I'm, I mean, what I'm saying, what I'm critiquing with like Hollywood and like kind of violent movies is like, I, I mean, I'd love to see a biopic. Maybe, maybe there is one. Maybe there is a biopic about, um, I forget her name now, but you'll know that, you know, that, okay, that's that French woman who was like the fucking, who killed everybody, remember? During the French Revolution. And then there's like a painting. Who killed Who killed like the, like who became queen for like two days or something, right? And there's a, the famous Maha painting or whatever of the the dead. Ah, but right, who am I thinking queen. of? You're talking about Charlotte Corday. Yeah. So Charlotte Corday <laughs> is my absolute icon. Yeah. She was this 19-year-old French girl from the north of France who basically predicted the terror, but didn't actually think that her actions would be the number one trigger of mm. the terror. So. She, one day she decided I mean I guess she planned the whole thing like a long time in advance but she went with a dagger that she found and went to the headquarters of this newspaper called L'Ami du Peuple mm -hmm. with, in which Mara used to write articles and Mara was this extremely violent person who called for the death of citoyens you know like citizens and she just went, waited for him to take a bath and murdered him in his bath. 
and they paraded, they actually paraded his body around Paris as a martyr. And Robespierre um, just took over power very shortly after. And in some ways, I guess it's all this element of extreme violence that caused the terror. And she wanted to prevent the terror, which I think is quite extremely sad and almost poetic to an extent, mm. because it's through murder that led more murder. And then for literally like two more years, it was just death and death and death. There's actually people that said that the Seine in Paris turned red because yeah. of all the yeah. dead bodies and the blood. But she, she was guillotined shortly after, actually. Yeah. And history doesn't remember her as a heroine. She's still until today quite controversial, actually, because she was, uh, I think she was from the Gironda faction, which is a quite a moderate mm. from the French Revolution. But yeah, no, she's quite cool. I just remember when I went to the Lycée Francais, you know, we were learning oh, about yeah, all the totally. French Revolution, you know, and it's just like the yeah, the terror was fucking crazy after. I mean, like the, yeah, the David just so painting, violent, though, but it's yeah. Like the, you know, actually, I think the David painting was made after the death of Mara. And this quote that says something big, it was like, N'ayons pu me corrompre, ils m'ont assassiné, because they couldn't corrupt me, they, they murdered me. Yeah. And it doesn't make any reference that he was murdered by a woman or anything right. like that right. and there's still a lot of mis misconception about like what women can do you know because yeah. it's so unconceivable that women are capable of murder whatever form of yeah that that, that's exactly what yeah. i'm saying that's what's so interesting i think about this this whole gender thing and, and feminism yeah. and, and media because it's like like I, I mean i'm critiquing yeah i'm critiquing something like wonder woman where i mean it's just kind of like you replace the man with the woman in this very stale way but you oh, don't yeah. see the real historical i mean whatever also joan of arc and stuff who was i mean oh, totally yeah. batshit crazy but amazing i mean you know so, cool. so badass you know and there yeah and she was flamed you know for centuries everyone used her image to whatever whatever sauce they wanted you know royalists use her and mm. feminists have used her and she exists according to the way people kind of like draw her and think of her she kind of is that iconic figure but your vision of John of Arc might be so different to mine and might be so different to maybe a Republican or a socialist. And, yeah. you know, it's it's quite incredible because it's often the case, at least in France, iconography of women, you know. Yeah, yeah. And John of Arc, yeah, she's, she's a Catholic and she's also a woman and she's also a royalist or whatever. And it's just extremely fascinating in some ways yeah. yeah but Charlotte Gaudet quite cool Charlotte Gaudet yeah I forgot her name yeah, yeah. see that's how bad that's how bad the historical kind of erasure is though I can't even you know what I mean I think yeah, oh, yeah. and whatever and Maha yeah. but like I can't remember Charlotte you know but in, in Versailles yeah. you can actually see the place that it all happened I can't remember but I think the dagger is is still there I'm not 100% sure but yeah it's quite wow. touching I mean, I guess it is the autonomy that comes with these kind of radical, violent, like, women in history that is, like, uh, like kind of censored in, in history. Because it is the mm. whole thing of... Appropriate female behavior. And yeah. Like that. Yeah, completely. Yeah. But, you know, it's until today, if you decide to not be what the patriarchy defines as appropriate female behavior, you're demonized. You know, I've had... I suffered so many microaggressions. From the day I decided that I would be openly feminist and kind of follow that lead. And sometimes it's just the most like heart-wrenching, difficult conversations that you have with people. And you're just like, why do you hate me? And why do you hate my ideas so much? And yeah. 
it's just insane because even though we might say okay like we're more woke or like more progressive it's like the amount of microaggressions that the word feminism triggers in people is yeah. insane yeah. it's completely i yeah sometimes i can't even describe it i'm just like wow and but i like, yeah but i think also like even beyond microaggressions i mean macroaggressions i mean obviously i'm i'm, I'm speaking as a white cis hetero dude male and even you know not too long ago in london i'm like walking down the street and there's i mean there's a group of lads or bros or whatever you want to call it and they're drunk and then you know they're kind of harassing me and they go oh they like start yelling at me like what gender are you what gender are you and i'm like well for first of all clearly i'm a guy still i have a little bit of fish but like even if i you know even if i was trans even if i was you yeah. know like, why does this matter like there is this there is like i mean in, in my experience also growing up as a guy in, in the u.s it's like there is just also this violence within you know patriarchy and men where it's like if you're not acting like a certain type of yeah you don't necessarily have to be ultra macho but if you don't if you suddenly kind of fall out of the kind of macho spectrum you're just kind of like oh like you're something oh, yeah. is wrong with you and oh, then it's completely. reinforced with violence and it's like it's crazy yeah, so, yeah. no completely nutty, but. completely and it's almost as if you have to justify yourself constantly yeah. you know and it's i had this discussion with my tutor recently actually because i was surprised because you know i i still think ev everyone can be a feminist and i hope everyone is you know from the bottom of my heart but there's a whole different world when you decide to take on feminism as like every single aspect of your life yeah. you know from i don't know because i dedicate my entire life and research to it and you know it's it's very difficult because the amount of difficult subject matter and stories that you hear every day it's, it's you know i i can't even explain to you how many times i've like gone in bed and sobbed because mm -hmm. it was just getting too much and that's probably why I'm, I am chose being a curator also is because I want to be helping women artists and helping them and say, you know, you're not the only one that carries the burden. I'm here to elevate your voice and make sure that, you know, you have someone that can contribute and make sure you get heard and you're not being stepped on and your voice matters and it should matter. And, you know, and the fact that if you look at numbers, I mean, it's crazy. You know, the National Gallery has less than like 5% of their collection is by women. And, you know, it's 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 completely ridiculous, you know. Yeah. And, and I hear experiences from young women artists who tell me sometimes they're like, you know, it's just I struggle so much just getting my voice and my work seen, you know. Yeah. And I always found that imbalance to be quite stressful, at least between like curator and artist and how like curators are kind of the ones that are expected to have all the connections and work with all the galleries. And sometimes I'm like, I don't even want to work with these people because of all the right. dirty politics that kind of yeah. it brings, you know? And yeah. sometimes I want to protect the artist and say, please like, don't work with these people. Like there's some more independent galleries that you can work with and they can, be better but then you have all that like financial pressure and capitalist pressure of like no you want the name and you want the recognition and it just makes me really frustrated because i don't want those young women to just like sell their identity just to sure. please other institutions yeah. and it's a really hard balance to find i think yeah. it's like all these institutions and galleries just have to take full on responsibility and just like yeah. 
you know, be transparent about how they work and their politics and things like that, you know? But it's also like in, you know, what, what you're saying about the National Gallery and stuff. I mean, I think things, I mean, maybe also being at the RCA, I feel like things are getting a bit better, but there's, like, if you, it, what I think about in terms of the history of, like, art and specifically painting is, like, it's just so sad that I'm, obviously there's been incredible female painters throughout all of, all mm. of history, throughout and, and in the entire oh, yeah, world, of you know? And painting is such a, like, kind of private, beautiful thing that people do and it, like I, you know I, I think that the most famous artists sometimes are really not that deep in a way and it, yeah all, all of them are men until whatever until very no, very, very recently. recently and even recently it's still a small percentage oh, yeah. you know and so it's like very frustrating to think about that erasure like that yeah massive erasure of, of, of people of just women in in the history of art it's just like imagine all the gems we would have if mm. there was a little bit more of a balance even yeah. just a little more it's just it's crazy and know? even that yeah. percentage is like most of the women that do get promoted are like from very rich backgrounds and all white you know mm. so that's even worse to an extent because i feel like feminist curating remains extremely white privileged and it's very difficult because even I don't know, I don't want to say like feminism is in fashion or something, but the voices that are active, at least in the art world, to me are just like very white privileged feminists. And, you know, you might agree with some of the stuff they say and then half the other half, you're just like, what the hell, you know? I remember last year when the grad show happened and there were a lot of those women that call themselves feminists on Instagram and have a huge following of people and they're like oh I'm so proud of my voice and what I can achieve and then they go into all these Chelsea RCA UAL grad shows and they're just like oh let me rate my five favorite women artists and it's like why are you even bringing a hierarchy of who you prefer and who you like most and why don't you use your platform to promote everyone and you know, just like well, not that's an interesting put... question. Then, how, 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 what do you think as a curator? How do you do that in terms of because, yeah, how do you do that without being exclusionary, or how do you do it without, you know, like I don't know. It's yeah, exactly. But doing this on purpose to me is way worse okay. because, of course, like you can't present every single woman artist that's you know like active and right now, but it's just being extremely picky and saying according to me and my like I don't know 150,000 followers this is who I think is the future of art when this is literally what men have been doing for centuries you know just picking artists and be like oh this is a genius this is a genius this is a genius and then all the incredible artists that you just pull in the shadows and you never go back to them just because you think this one is the most successful commercially doesn't mean that like especially because taste is so subjective you know what you think is yeah. taste and compared to the other person is the whole different world almost yeah. and i was really shocked actually because all these women who were supposed to be feminists i discovered last year through grad shows that they were just work for the commercial gallery space and you know i just think that they could be so much more radical than what they are but it's just wow yeah, yeah. in my in my view i don't know i don't think curating is being radical enough I think there's a lot of fear, you know, just because we all depend so much on financial constraints and capitalism and things. And I actually decided to specialize in female expressions of female rage because I was very surprised by my own reaction. I mean, the number of times I've cried of tears 
when in fact I was just extremely angry and I was just like wow like I'm just super weak but in fact it's just I had no other expression of a mammalinger and when you look at expressions of female rage you are this literally the most freeing liberating thing you know and I just wish that this was used more in a curatorial method that no just mm -hmm. unleashing because if you unleash this inner rage that women feel it was you go against all different codes of patriarchy and you know just con even conservatism to an extent you know yeah, because yeah. you break things and you just become it's as if you forget all these codes that you grew up with you know yeah. you just you don't exist within that societal frame of you know you have to act and behave a certain way you yeah. know so that's what I'm trying to do with my own work is like, how can I take the essence of female rage and bring it more to a wider audience? Because there are some women who are masters at that, you know, and their work is still pretty much mm. pulling the shadows. And when they are shown to a public, they're literally like, oh, you know, she gone through very difficult things. But how is that difficult thing being manifested, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, at least, is one of the keys that could bring curating to another stage, you know? Just taking these very strong female emotions and just, like, unleash them from patriarchal frameworks. And you, we could achieve so much more, you know? Yeah. Than just being, like, being so cozy in our little chairs and say, you know, why don't we emulate, like, suffragettes, you know, Westminster freaking manifestations where they used to hit the police and put bombs in ministers homes and things like that you know yeah, yeah. and you know one guy once told me he was like well suffragettes were not terrorists like really because until today some people refuse to say that they were and you know to me the suffragette movement is one of the most beautiful example of what female rage can actually achieve you know because they went on hunger strikes and they put bombs in parliament and you know, they just didn't care. They wouldn't yeah. even finish the fights, you know, if that meant, like, almost dying for it, they would, you know. I mean, that's a bit of an extreme thought, but, yeah. I just wish curating was yeah. more like that, you know, that we were just... But then again, <laughs> I... <laughs> not bombs, not really, but you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, like, yeah, no, taking that. And I'm really conscious, because I come from quite a privileged background, so for me, like... I'm aware of all these, you know, like financial mm. insecurities and things that go with it. But these, these artists you're saying that are really excellent at expressing like female rage and how they have to put it like an, almost a, it's almost like they have to put a disclaimer in, in the exhibit. Oh, yeah. Like, she went through some bad stuff. Like if it was a male artist, which obviously like most of history is like all all the, the kind of rough, like abstract expressions and stuff. They don't really have to explain it. I mean, they were like hard living alcoholics, but it's like who fucking who, first of all. For but sure. Also, like, they don't have to you don't have to explain. It. It's like, oh, he's a man. So he's entitled to kind of have this kind of what you might call like a, a raw, rageful aesthetic even, you know? Hmm. So first of all that, but then also I was going to, I mean, that's a lot to unpack in terms of like, how does feminism work within capitalism? Can't it, like, because, because that's what I said, was started out what we were talking about, kind of like how, you know, just as an example, these Marvel movies are kind of co-opting feminism under the guise of still patriarchal capitalism, just going, okay, Wonder mm. Woman, there you go. The, the, the woman's the star, now you can shut the fuck up now. <laughs> Everything else stays the same. Really, but that, you know, yeah. I mean, that's exactly the move of it. And yeah. so it's like, how, yeah, how does, or can, yeah, how, how, can, how can feminism kind of subvert capitalism? Can it work within capitalism and change the system? Mm. Or does it have to be, yeah, like what you say, kind of 
crazy radical and yeah mm, i don't know i mean i'm not gonna sound utopic because i actually don't really believe in that like feminist utopia of like equality i don't think equality is possible if you know men don't change their ways and the problem with capitalism is exactly that it's like you know as long as men control every aspect of everything especially the economy you know i don't necessarily think that feminism can exist necessarily i mean my the best example to me at least is you know all these home-based things like the slow cooker and the dishwasher and how they've advertised us like freeing the housewife from all these things and they did to an extent make women's life easier but when you go on instagram and then you know you announce that you just had a baby and all your advertisement is literally like all these home cookware and you know promoting all these objects that are meant to make your life easier you know is it to an extent yeah okay you save time but then it's literally like capitalism benefiting from you getting a newborn baby and Mm -hmm. things like that and I don't know. I just think that as long as men control us in our lives, I don't know how we're trying to to make it at least a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I tend to have a bit of a pessimistic outlook on these things, um, just because yeah, I'm I'm maybe I'm a bit too sensitive because of everything that I I read constantly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I have an answer to that. I think maybe it would take years, maybe centuries even. And also, you know, I think the ways, I mean, yeah, the different ways of just silencing is have gone so insane in the past 10 years, you know, just by like censoring and throwing some gas as protesters and throwing people in jail whenever it's convenient. And when it's not prison, then it's literally like different government control cancelling visas and things like that that it makes things way harder than just you know freedom of speech and things so i actually don't know well i am trying my best at least well i'll become a curator to just make sure that you know to have a fairer way of working yeah um but again i say that because you know i don't necessarily I haven't experienced a lot of financial hardships that maybe others have and you know but i just want to make my radical feminism more in practice actually but that's yeah that's that and when, when that intersectionality comes in when you, when you intersect yeah. the kind of critique of capitalism with, with radical feminism etc but so that's another question that brings up another question is like what you know how how would you just roughly define radical feminism in the 21st century like how how can how can we work towards a radical feminism Mm, that's interesting i don't know i would say just unleash your own female rage whatever form that takes it would be mine definition of what that means um yeah i mean i stopped going to retrospectives about male artists about three years ago and when people ask me, they're like, why are you being so exclusionary? And I just said, because I don't find male art necessarily interesting, mm. you know? I mean, no offense, but no, no. I think that <laughs> ma- yours is great. But, you know, in yeah. the sense that, like, I don't want to take part in that act of, like, paying 18 pounds yeah. 
to sure. go to a space in which I'm going to be told that this guy is a genius yeah. when I don't think he necessarily is, you know? And instead, I'm going to donate that money to a charity which is actually going to do some actual work, you know? And but, like, it's very interesting that someone would, would call you exclusionary by not going to this, you know, male, quote-unquote, genius retrospective thing. Because, in fact... The whole genius male retrospective thing is the exclusionary thing oh, of women and people yeah. of color and queer people, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if yeah, you, so, yeah, yeah, just like, who cares about David Hockney doing things on his iPad or <laughs> like, who cares about like Cezanne doing some other landscape that we've never seen in the UK? Don't like, get, also, don't get me started on Cezanne. You know, he's so fucking overrated anyway. It's like, I mean, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before and I talk, I just talk about it a lot in general. It's kind of that, it goes back to that notion of like, if you, like, do you try to change the system from within or do you just kind of go outside the system? But that also applies in terms of like, yeah, if you're critiquing something, if you're like, for example, like when Trump was president or whatever, right? It's like, yeah. if you're critiquing Trump, like, yeah, are you going to fucking make another cartoon of Trump? You're kind of giving them more power by giving more visibility to them in a way. So it kind of goes back to the same thing of like, you want to kind of just imagine and create the world that you want as opposed to playing or like, you know, mm. and how does the, and also like in terms of radical feminism, like, yeah, how does the critique itself of something work? Because it's like. Yeah, like you said, like there's just so much bad shit out there. <laughs> like, there's yeah, so much bad stuff and there. the problem yeah. with this is like there's some very good sides and very bad sides, and yeah, it, I suppose it's just about being transparent and being vulnerable and just making sure you know that whatever step you'll take, there'll be both sides. I mean, I guess it's like this for everything, but as a curator, I just want to be that person who identifies them and just tells the women, you know, this is what it's gonna be you know and kind of making sure that at least i'm that person who can find solutions and making sure that whatever they don't get censored or they don't get you know repressed in any ways yeah it's just being sensitive i suppose yeah and the uk especially i mean it's it's a shark world out there (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of scary sometimes but uh yeah but I guess what's tricky too is that it's hard like again it goes back to the gender binary and like yeah. what is the when is something absolutely masculine and absolutely feminine I mean like for myself mm. also and not to not to talk about a lot yeah, and you use velvet you know. I mean you know in terms of just the history of velvets like how what velvet is associated with a lot of the time at least I mean at least in French culture it's all about costume not mm-hmm. costume but you know just dress making and wealth you know and especially the different types of colors that velvet had and yeah was a sign of your wealth and second empire front of the red velvets and the gold and all of this yeah i mean velvet's history is very quite like feminine not feminine attributes but kind of in its images at least it's Mm. very much gender-based yeah which is kind of sad to an extent because it shouldn't be just associated to one gender. But it's interesting at least that you chose this as your medium. But again, it goes back to like, do we, yeah, do we need this binary? You know, there's like these cliche like associations of yeah, like oh, Jackson yeah, action, Pollock and painting. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's the most cliche. But but again, it's like it it for me. I really think about I want to scale things out. I want to yeah, paint on velvet. I want these like sensual 
feminine expressions because that's I mean that's also just who I am it's not like I'm doing it out of some like cosplay you know like oh, yeah. wannabe thing but but it's just I'm very aware of that and I think artists need to be like aware of that in terms of and then I think it's amazing when you see yeah like like female artists yeah making these huge action type paintings in a way you could say because it's like cool that's a reversal and it's like mm. cool like that's okay you know what i mean like For that's sure. interesting like well if you, you take I mean? even just a jackson Pollock example like dude just took his penis and ejaculated on <laughs> paintings and everyone thought it was like the great technique yeah. but then when a woman just take menstrual blood and spread it onto a canvas it's disgusting and it should be censored and cancelled and you know just there's this element of disgust that goes only to one side yeah, when it doesn't yeah. make any sense. I mean, like Jackson Pollock's ejaculation paintings are utterly, absolutely <laughs> disgusting. But yet they go on into a market. Yeah. I mean, isn't it yeah. how they're called? I mean, the fact that yeah. he uses bodily fluids as a medium, but then a woman does the same thing as like disgust. It's yeah. just an yeah. absolute sign, you know, that something yeah. is completely wrong. And just all these associations with just menstruation, like, mm -hmm. you know, you're hyper emotional you can't control yourself and you're dependent on a cycle that just take, makes you crazy yeah. and that's why i said it's like just take this maybe you're hyper emotional and that's totally fine and maybe you should use this you know because this is the beauty of being a woman is that like we experience all these fluctuations of emotions and some of them that we feel like 1500 times strongly than men do you know yeah. and this is what we should use you know this is our strength we shouldn't be thinking in any ways that this is lower than a man and even if you know it's we're hyper emotional just this is great this is what we should celebrate you know and i'm that's what i'm telling right like i tell usually women that i work with i'm like okay well yeah just make a show about how you feel it it's totally what you should do yeah. you know like we have to stop competing with men and trying to prove constantly prove that we're the same we're as talented and we're you know as great we should just say well this is a wrong system we shouldn't follow that system we should just be ourselves and produce works that reflect yeah. how we feel you know again it's the not centralizing like masculinity and then the patriarchy it's just saying like i'm just gonna do exactly what i feel you know that's exactly yeah but the minute you tell women way. like use your hyper mm. like emotionality you break all patriarchal systems mm. you know yeah. because yeah. patriarchy tells women like em being emotional is being inferior and it says the same to men right that's just the whole Absolutely. point yeah. but then if you tell them like unleash that inner feeling that you're feeling then you can't control them it, they become uncontrollable and it's the beauty of it i think you know if only we can just let it all go yeah, yeah. it sounds like a call to arms i don't know but <laughs> that's what i want to do as a curator you know just let artists tell me like i just tell them go with the flow and produce a work that you feel emotionally connected to it. And if it shocks people, then let it be. Actually, yeah. I got this advice from someone I respect and I admire greatly. He told me two years ago when I went through a whole exist existential crisis, when I lost my entire identity, mostly. He told me, listen, if someone feels offended by what you show, then it they're the problem ultimately you have to stop worrying about offending people because mm -hmm. they should be offended they should put themselves back into question because you're actually giving them a, you're making them a service by actually 
triggering these feelings into them because that just yeah. proves their biases and they don't necessarily understand anything and maybe they should be offended and if they are and it just their whole body says no then this is not the audience that suits you and you'll find your own audience and i was like well maybe i should do shows that makes people feel uncomfortable about their own emotions you know that was yeah. so freeing for me because just you know existing in that like patriarchal frame is like you know you can't say all these things that could potentially make people feel uncomfortable because this is not acceptable as a society but you don't actually serve any purpose by just doing that you know no that's exactly the purpose of art is to yeah, fracture to fraction people's thing. fucking consciousness and be like if something's making you uncomfortable then you have something you need to address in a way, yeah you know? and that's and modern yeah. arts you know 100%. in a way and i want my exhibitions and i want my shows and my projects to be exactly that like yeah you hate the title, it makes you feel uncomfortable, then don't step a foot. And if you decide to step a foot, then feel all the emotions, like feel whatever you're feeling. And at the end, just tell me what you didn't like, you know? And if you didn't like it, then maybe you should go home and read whatever you need to read and see whatever you need to see and then re-question whatever you've been told, you know? Mm. And that's exactly what art should do, you know? And that's something that maybe I wish institutions like RCA taught us, you know, in some ways. Because in a way, it's just all these art academies, like places and all these museums, it just tell us to repress it. And, you but know, again, they're serving the status quo to some degree. They yeah. want to kind of keep things similar and kind of capitalism. You know, I mean, the systems yeah. are working for the big institutions. I mean, I think art is the one place where we have to be like totally radically free and like and, oh, yeah. and vulnerable and just like, otherwise what? Like, why the fuck are you an artist if you're just going to make pretty pictures? Like, if you have that fire and even that rage, and art is the... Yeah, art is the place where, where it can be disseminated into society and, and mm. have ripple effects and, you know. But cur curators, I think that's the luck of being an artist, you know, because you yeah. do that constantly. I mean, not constantly, but at least you try. Whereas curators is almost the opposite. Mm. Like, we have to be the people who can kind of think what the public's going to think and how the public's going to react. And we're almost mediators between like the works and what the public thinks. Sure, that's true. You yeah. know, and that's very interesting. And I think it's kind of goes with like Brit elements of Britishness. Maybe in America it's different because I've always been told like, oh, you would be perfect living in America from how I kind of function. But at least in the UK, it's kind of these things, elements, I guess, of Britishness of like, don't really say what you think. And the politeness. There's yeah, a nice exactly. politeness. Because in France, it's yeah. very different. Yeah. It's extremely yeah. different. But in the sense that like, I don't know, what if we don't have to always be mediators and just let the work speak for themselves, yeah. you know? But in some ways, I haven't seen shows recently that in which I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You no, know, it's always trying to tone down Sure. what the yeah. artist means and yeah. what the overall meaning of things is and I don't know I think it's extremely frustrating and I want to be the opposite of that you know Yeah. yeah. I want to be the person that just like make sure that you your message is exact like I replicate exactly what you mean you know sometimes I think about like okay so let's just say let's just think about like a radical feminist curatorial practice then because like Okay, on the extreme end, there's like, yeah, the, what you were saying before about putting, you know, bombs and whatever, like, maybe that's too far. <laughs> All that it's a bit far. It is but... far, but, but, but then, then, and on the other side, it's just, yeah, 
just kind of, uh, you know, pleasing the rich patrons of capitalism and keeping up the patriarchy and nothing really changes whatsoever. Maybe you just have, okay, a few more successful female artists, female artists than before, but otherwise nothing else happens, right? So I guess the radical feminist thing would be something in the middle where it's like, yeah, helping artists achieve, I mean, I, I guess the achieve something through the material of the physical commodity of art but then that also changes fractures consciousness in a way mm. and it sort of moves but it also the way like like as a curator it's so important how it sort of can move through the world and move through these audiences and shock them or not or you know give them i think i think an exhibition can be really powerful too if it has all these like kind of highs and lows where one part really shocks you one part almost puts you to bed you know and puts you oh, yeah. to born, you know so like there can be yeah but it's like storytelling that's why yeah. I, always, I want to come back to this idea that curating is storytelling yeah because it's the most i guess it's the thing that manifests the most human consciousness and it brings humanity back together in the sense that for me art is the ultimate expression of mortality to an extent which is a bit profound what i just said but (laughs) if i was to summarize it all that's what i would say you know and for me an exhibition or a project or curatorial practice is basically this is like trying to replicate feelings of what you would feel in your own lifetime you know and kind of taking this idea of like yeah this works that shock you others that make you cry others that make you smile that's as if you're just reading you're just culturally making something that just reminds you of your own mortality to an extent yeah you know and it's it's very beautiful but it's also quite upsetting in some ways and that's why i focus on women's history because it's infuriating things like works that you see in from the 16th century to the ones you see in like 1960s until 2022 this has so many so so many subject matters that are so relevant across time and the fact that you can put a painting from back then to a painting till today and say look how compatible they are mm-hmm. you know they style it they stylistically they're complete polar opposites but the meaning is there yeah. you know and that's i mean curatorial practice to me it's kind of this ability to transcend time to an extent you know in the sense that radical feminism bring the fact that you know women even though we gained more rights and that's something that right-wing people tell me i want to puke but yeah okay that's true like we've evolved but how do you explain that the feeling that artemisia in like the 1600s shown in her painting and something that a modern painter would represent his almost the exact same emotional reaction of the public mm-hmm. you know it's just yeah i think yeah that's for me that's what it represents really you know the yeah. fact that we we are just human and we're trying to be reminded of of you know our own mortal emotions to an extent and i'm because i'm too self-aware of these facts like i just wish that the day i'll leave the planet earth that at least someone would tell me like, okay, you know, we don't feel necessarily the same as the exhibitions you did in 2026, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like, or there's at least a tiny bit of change from that time, yeah. which I don't necessarily think it'll be possible in my lifetime, but hopefully that's an aim I have at least, you know? And just use all these like extreme emotions of, pain and love and you know things that we all relate to that 
people from a long time ago re could relate to and that we do too and that they're just the same you know i don't know if it makes sense yeah i mean that's that's a really that's like probably the most poetic uh explanation of curating that i've ever heard actually is trans you know transiting time and seeing you're right like seeing these through lines and how yeah sure like life for women is undoubtedly better in 2023 than it was in the 1600s for sure for sure anywhere yeah in the world. almost anywhere in the world almost. maybe not in uh you know alabama or whatever <laughs> no, no but um yeah but um so my question would be yeah i think it ties into all these things about you know capitalism and making pretty pictures or not or kind of being radical etc like what role do you think like social media has in all this because i do think sometimes mm. that, that the hyper like the hyper mediated environment that we live in now also makes it harder first of all to to not just do to, to be successful if you're if you're not polite or whatever or working within these algorithmic things but also even to be radical i think it's hard because in a way being radical used to be kind of getting a lot of attention or something right yeah but now that's almost like everyone, everyone just wants attention be. through social media right so yeah i don't know how do, how do you think about negotiating that and, so I think that algorithms can say whether you believe in one thing or you believe in another from pretty much very early on and how so the content and the people you're going to get recommended are always people who think like you unless you're con conscious of that and you just decide to go on like freaking I don't know Republican YouTube channels and watch Republican people talk I mean I'm talking because I'm more on the left but whatever so this is dangerous for me because in a way it's like you're always confronted with people who think the same way as you. So you think legit, you have more of a legitimacy because you think everyone thinks like you. So when you're like me who kind of mix with different crowds and people who sometimes I think are smart but sometimes they're not necessarily and all they do is just vomit whatever they hear on social media, you know, through different people. I mean, don't get me started on Andrew Tate, you know, like the fact that this guy like Andrew Tate's in jail and until very recently, I've had guys just like screaming at me, telling me that like, oh yeah, it was that one bitch in Ro like Romania who sold him to the police when there's women that came forward and he's accused of rape and human trafficking. You know, because guys like that guess their voices being literally like promoted all over social media. And these young men get indoctrinated constantly by these guys who sell some crazy narrative that like, you know, women of the 21st century are promiscuous and, you know, there's energy imbalances because women don't take care of their families anymore and they're not housewives anymore and they don't self-sacrifice anymore. So this is breaking the energy of the world and we should go back to an ancient time when we had no voice and men should be protectors of their family and women should be caregivers and where feminism is the only reason why this social political energies are being broken down, mm -hmm. you know. I've heard this hundreds of times in the past three years. And it's very extreme because in a sense that like, I don't know, if we were having a conversation with people from the other side that don't necessarily think like us and they say it's civil, and they have their own opinions because they've read, they've listened, they've talked, they saw, then fine by me. 
But then if Jordan Peterson said something three years ago and they were like, oh, so true, Jordan Peterson. And then they just vomit whatever Jordan Peterson said. Yeah. And you know that he said that. And then you're like, well, actually, this is what Jordan Peterson said. And this guy is actually like, no, fuck you. You don't know gender pay gap <laughs> doesn't exist. And they get aggressive because their yeah. arguments are literally not their own. So they get aggressive. They scream. They don't want right. to talk to you, you know. And this is why for me, social media is extremely dangerous yeah. in the sense yeah. that it's good because like, okay, you get inspiration for other people who think like you on both sides, whatever. Like if you're like Republicanism, then good for you. Like stick to your classically Abbey and Ben Shapiro. <laughs> not, not my problem. But then in the other side of the problem is that like, I'm, let's say I'm trying to make a work that I hope will last decades or centuries or whatever. And then I constantly get these guys or even these women sometimes which is far worse in my opinion that prevent me from achieving this goal you know mm. just because yeah. they get manipulated and influenced it's just like insane yeah you know I think which, the issue yeah. with like, well, 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 like it's so ridiculous like the conservative viewpoint on, on all these kinds of things whether it's like yeah Jordan Peterson thing with like you know being definitely transphobic but claiming it's something about fucking pronouns and free freedom of speech or whatever and, and if then, you wear red lipstick yeah. in the workplace that you're promiscuous and yeah. you want to sleep with I mean, your boss but and the problem that. with all of the well, both of these figures right represent like a conservatism where it's like it's just fucking boring it's just like that, this is so exactly true. what has already come through all of history it's been extreme patriarchy and sexism etc and like i mean 99 percent of societies you know actually i think there were some indigenous societies where it was a bit better but they're you know but like let's just say western like most european culture right is like it's just like you just want to keep things the same really that's that's your kind of thing you just want to not let things be more progressive it's just such a it's just such a lazy thing i feel like and they're just defending it with this kind of insecurity almost and this oh yeah, yeah. and we know. could totally have a chilled conversation about what we think of but when someone just gets aggressively to you especially as a woman like yeah. you know how hurtful it is to hear like you should be a caretaker constantly when i'm like oh you should be my caretaker too like how is that you know we take care of each other it's not because my inherent nature of being a caretaker that i should do that you know and it's really tough and i guess it's reproduced in painting too and that's what my exact point about female rage is that like yeah. you know the minute you you're not a caretaker and you destroy and you burn and you actually decide to reject all these things then you're now a witch you're someone that should be mm. burned down yeah. you should be burnt at the stake you shouldn't live you shouldn't survive you know and you hear stuff like no man will want you and you know, you're just a horrible person for doing all these things, you know, and that's the danger in a way. It's like yeah. when it comes to women, it's like it takes on a whole different level, you know. I don't think we changed a lot from witch burning, actually. I think it just takes yeah. different forms. Like, but there's uh, a yeah. return to conservative value. That is scary because yeah. in a sense that, OK, your work can be about being a radical feminist, but then you can still be a loving person and have a family and wanting a family that's not separated yeah. you know but the fact that women are put in so many boxes that like i don't know we have to always justify ourselves and every single week on the news you hear about like professors being shot in the head and women disappearing being cut in pieces 
you know, just being murdered and raped and things. And they're just another news on your Sky News feed. And, you know, you actually talk to men and they're like, why do you hate men? Why are you a misandrist? I'm like, well, listen, I'm not necessarily a misandrist to an extent. But then if this is our reality and I can't walk home at night without the fearing of getting murdered, then our kind of problems are very different. You know, and in 2021, like... And that's funny, coming back to like why I picked, decided to be a curator. I was just fed up that all my essays were all the same conclusion that like, okay, this work is very relevant to today. And this issue is still very relevant today. And I just wanted to get this knowledge out of the library and kind of into the world. But I got the acceptance letter, I think a few days after the protest that was staged for the Sarah Everhard murder. I don't know if you heard about it. Were you in the UK yeah, in 2021? Mm, no, I was in the US. So it's funny because it happened very close by to your Well, Sarah mm. Everhard was a school teacher who um, met a friend in Clapham Common. Mm. And at 9 p.m. she called her boyfriend saying that she was walking home and she would see him shortly. And it was peak during the lockdown. And on her walk home, she was stopped by a police officer who probably told her that she was breaking COVID rules or something and told her to come into his car. And a few days later, she was found dead and mm. murdered by a police officer. And that caused an extreme uproar in the UK because um, the fact that it was 9 p.m. was one of them. The fact that a police officer killed a woman, that was one of them. And the other was also the fact that like we were just sick and tired. and. This whole context of COVID with gender inequality and, you know, black women dying more than white women and COVID affecting our fertility and nothing being done. And all these questions were just like so much. And the climate of this country was just like electric and we were sad and tired and we were fed up. And there was like visuals being organized and police beating up women who went to pay their respect. It was crazy. Mm. But I got the acceptance letter for RCA the week after I went to a protest. I'm not even sure, but like a few days, two weeks, I can't remember. And I got the acceptance letter and my first reaction was like, I guess I have to do it now. Like, it's just, mm. I can't go to bed and wake up the next day and just think this is the reality where I live, you know? Yeah. And it's something that I stayed with me until today. Like, there's not a single day that passes on where I don't think that, you know? And it just doesn't get better. You know, the Met Police reports coming out of, you know, officers being literally like sexual assaulter, like master. And all these policemen who take pictures of dead women bodies and send them to all their friends and things like that. And this is how we, this is the reality of what we live in. So yeah, like I, I just, yeah, that's why I guess I chose to be a curator, you know, especially in the UK, because I feel like it's needed most. Um, I guess that might explain why I was feeling so pessimistically and a bit too radical to this stuff. I don't know, yeah. it's just in terms of like, not a call to arms, but just like yeah. accepting the fact that art can change the world in my opinion. It's a bit too like Disneyland way of ending, but in the sense that you're an artist that's given a God-given talent almost. Like you're able to express your feelings through art and it's so great and I don't think anyone should have to sacrifice on them you know yeah. it's just very important for me at least so 
That's why I want to do what I do. Yeah. <laughs>